Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy Thursday at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Forever. Dog. Now this Mario Brothers movie. I can't look. I'm going to just say this. This Mario Brothers movie. We got to shut this one down. We shut down. We shut down Sonic the Hedgehog. The movie never came out. We did it. Yep. Mission right. accomplished. Wait a minute. It did come out. I'm going to storm the Capitol again. We're, we're going to get all the everything they used to storm the Capitol. I'm going to get um, mm-hmm. pepper spray. I'm going to get a podium. Mm-hmm. Whatever they use, I'm going to use until they fix this casting. Yeah, I'm getting my pals from the state. And we are taking it. comedy to the, group. Yes, to the, yes. I figure th- there's enough of them that we can all we can make a difference because there there's so many people, 38 members of the state. They were like the what was that band again? The polyphonic spree of sketch comedy. Yes. Where there's just like, oh, there's more of you. OK. Where it was like a clown car and they just kept getting out of the clown car. Except they were really <laughs> clowns. They really were clowns. I don't know what to say. My <laughs> childhood has been ruined. Once again, my childhood has been ruined. The worst Chris, Chris Pratt, is doing a voice on this. And not just a voice, the voice. Who's Luigi? It would be funny if it was Steve Schrippa. Um, Who is doing Luigi? Brett. Well, Char- Char- Charlie Day, I believe, was, okay. was uh, cast to do Luigi. There you go. It's weird. Star of. Uh, I love you, Daddy. I love you, Daddy, and Pacific Rim. <laughs> it's a lovely day today for whatever you got to Charlie. Day after day. Right, right. Day by day. Oh, Charlie. These things I pray that it stay always sunny in Philadelphia. They're heading toward one of those deals with that show where they're like, that's going to be a, that's going to be an 18 season endeavor. And then people are going to be like, why are they still doing it? It's like, cause all you did was scream about why they needed to keep doing it. Well, they can't stop making it. Why are they still making it? Right. Like it just turns immediately. People just turn immediately. Right. Am I wrong? Am I wrong about this? Who are you looking at? Am I wrong? 
You look around your room as though there are people there. Do you have two uh, Funko Pops that you keep looking at? I have a Funko Pop of you and a Funko Pop of Brett. And I just have them here. And I do the show every day. It's a daily. Double Threat has been a daily show, actually. It is the daily show, the new daily show. Um, You should turn on the recorder and start. Oh, I do. You should hear the tapes. You should hear them. That'll be like when you're arrested. They'll be like, there'll be a true crime document. Like we found disturbing tapes and sharplings. A Zoom recorder filled with over 200 hours of episodes of Double Threat, which only featured Tom. The police recovered disturbing audio footage of Sharpling speaking to invisible hosts. One episode topped out at 80 hours. And the victims are like, Mm. I wish this true crime documentary were less about the killer. Mm -hmm. And then everyone else is like, but the killer is so interesting. Yeah. I love killers. (laughs) Um, Let me finish. I love that we have a great culture now where Mm -hmm. you can be a cool bad guy. Finally. Like. Tiger King, like this guy, Tiger King. He's a bad guy, right? I can't believe they cast Chris Pratt as the friggin' tiger. Hold on a second. Who's playing Tiger King? No, the tiger. Who's playing the tiger? Who's playing Tony the Tiger again? Hold on. Chris Pratt is playing Tony the Tiger, the worst Chris. No thanks. I'm the out. The worst Chris and the best cereal mascot? Yes, I'll watch it three times, but I'm out. No way. I'm out. When's it open? I'm out. I watched it. I'm out. <laughs> watched it again. I like it. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out to the I'm out to the movie theater. I'm out to the movie theater again to see it. I'm out. The worst Chris? No thanks. Two for Tony the Tiger, please. <laughs> One yes, for I'm me back and again. my and my giant stuffed animal of Tony the Tiger. <laughs> Can I also buy tickets for the next six showings and just not get up? <laughs> I have to get up. I'm out. I'm out of the theater because you guys got to clean it. What? I can't. I can't just sit here all afternoon. I'm out. I'm out. Two for Tony the Tiger again, please. Yes, it's me. Yes, it's me waving my Tony the Tiger uh, stuffed animal that I'm behind trying to pretend that he's ordering the tickets this time because I don't think you want to let me back into the theater. I said I was out. These tickets are for Tony. These are Tony's. What? You won't sell tickets to a stuffed animal? I'm out. Yes, I bought them. I went on uh, movie phone and bought the tickets and just held my phone up to the scanner. That was me again. I didn't go. I superseded the ticket window. Uh, I'd like some raisinets, please. You Wait, you're out. You're out of raisinets. You're out. I'm, I'm out. out. I'm out. I'm out. And then like, then he goes to Walgreens. I'd like some yeah. raisinets. 10 for 10, eh? Okay. Right next to the like the the, the, the drugstore, right next to the movie mm-hmm. theater. Greatest mm-hmm. deals on candy that just oh happens to be God. in movie theater shaped boxes. It is, it, honestly, when you think about it, you're like, capitalism has some blind spots. Yeah, you're like. Where you can legal, like if I were the movie theater, I'd be like, how is this even legal? Yeah, you I, have a building next to my building that has candy that's like, like. 
10% of the cost (laughs) of the candy I'm selling in bigger boxes? Yeah, literally put it in your pocket. We cannot find it. We can't, what are we supposed to do, pat-downs at the movie theater now? That'd be pretty amazing. Honestly, I've... I've yes, I agree. I can't wait for that reality. Julie, I just think we just hit the greatest. Here's the greatest invention. I'm looping you and 50-50 partner on this. What? If we we can become billionaires. Get this. If and Brett, if. I'll throw you. I'll throw you ten. It's it's forty forty uh, twenty. I didn't want to ask, but I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. How you much know, does that? Because you didn't want to ask. It's uh, thirty five thirty five thirty. That's pretty good. I didn't agree to that. Well, you didn't hear the deal yet. I might loop you right out and run away. Don't it could be a hundred zero zero. Is this just about pat downs? No, it's the greatest idea I've ever had in my life. What is you it? You and I get to work. Okay. We invent. Get yeah. this. Are you yeah. sitting down? I hope well, I can so. see you are. So um, we invent metal detectors that detect candy. Only candy? Yeah. For C- movie candy. theaters. Candy detectors. Candy detectors that go up. Right after you buy the ticket, but before you get to the concession stand, you That's walk a through idea. a candy counter scanner. That's a great idea. Do you know how much money we would make selling this thing to movie theaters? I will settle for if my payout. Incl- you can do the percentage however you want, but I want my payout to include the giant Tupperware bin that they use to confiscate all the candy. Absolutely. I want then that. I want that candy. You got it. That giant, like TSA size Tupperware, mm-hmm. where people are like, you know, junior mints. Mm-hmm. What else do you get? It so those little mini Charleston chews you can get mm-hmm. yeah. at uh, CVS that you don't even have to unwrap. You just tilt your head back junior, and then yeah. fill your mouth with small bars. Milk duds. Mm-hmm. Milk duds. You get in those boxes at the CVS. But just picture Juju, that. Jujubes. Beep, beep. beeps uh-huh you have to do the wand over the person and then they then you just find they got a kit kat bar right in their sock what about chips or fruit they can keep it i think fruit should be i don't think you should be allowed let's to bring let, fruit into a movie theater yeah let's make it so that we sell fruit at the movie theater but then ushers are going to trip on banana peels and people are going to not be able to hear dialogue over the crunching into apples I don't want it. I don't want people laughing. If I write some hit movie and I'm just yeah. like, this is the funniest thing I've ever done. And I go in the theater, the big premiere, and then suddenly an usher slips on a banana peel because some <laughs> clown did it. I hear like, you're laughing at the wrong part. Like I would just jump. Oh, everybody, everybody laughs at the usher. Yeah. They laugh at the usher. <laughs> no, that wasn't one of my jokes. You're laughing at the wrong. Start it over. <laughs> Started over. I'm you can't. Sorry. You can't go to every movie theater and scream. Started start over. Started over. Projectionist. Started over. That no. was my favorite part in Inglorious Bastards. Which when part? Goebbels, when Goebbels was like, "Start it over." Yeah, Goebbels. Not into Box it. Seats. Box seats for Goebbels. Yeah. I know you've had problems with him in the past. I know you had beef. I know. I know you clapped back, Julie. What? I hate one of these bastards more than the next. To quote, not the ing- not the inglorious bastards. No, no, the they. I hate these. Hitler, Himmler, Hurler. Gerbils. We discussed. We discussed Hurler. Earring. An earring would be the lady. Um, yeah. 
Hurler wears earrings. Hurler, yes. Finally, you wanted Hitler. Now you got mm-hmm. Hurler. Yeah, no, I was going to say Titler. Perfect. We we have we are a font of ideas today. Yeah, T- the, and the candy and the candy font detector. is and the font is Comic Sans. It is Comic Sans, and we are bringing the comic. We are, bringing, we are not Sans comedy. We are not Sans comedy. We are Avec comedy today here on Double Threat, and this is Double Threat. Look at the Welcome way we to took the it show. There. Can you believe it? You think you 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 all think we're going down a wrong road and we forgot where we are and then we bring it we bring the landing in. Abra, uh, I gotta start. I gotta start charging a finder's fee on these segways. Congratulations! What? I just want to say uh, welcome to uh, Double Threat, the launch of the show. We took a little detour there, but we landed we are on time. On our way to our destination. And in fact, we are. Go- Remember, you know how like pilots always brag when they're early. They love yeah. telling. Uh, I almost said the audience. Passengers. We, are, we got in 15 minutes early, so uh, oh, you're we welcome. We'll make the baggage take that much longer, so it, you're <laughs> still five minutes late. I just want to bring this back to me for a second. I'm the one who got us in early. I took a actually kind of a sneaky shortcut. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, my co-pilot was actually kind of a pussy about it. Said, don't do that. It's windy. I did it anyway. And we're 15 minutes early. So when you leave, don't look at my co-pilot in the eye. He sucks. Shit. And I'm awesome. I also just want to say that uh, if you happen to be in the uh, gate 17, there's a Sabaro. And uh, they've got some pretty good pizza there. uh, Probably the best margarita slice you can get at LAX. Um, also, please uh, don't unfasten your seatbelt, even though we're taxiing on the runway now. So we're we're going to be taxiing for 45 minutes because we are 15 minutes early, as I mentioned. <laughs> the plane is now going one mile an hour driving across the the runway. But please do not unfasten your seatbelt until we are at the thing. Like, I would love to see somebody get like, you hear like the, like, like when it's too early and then suddenly you hear, oh, I un- like like I sh- yeah okay I unfastened it too soon I banged my head bang my kepi you know that's Yiddish for head kempi kepi kepi okay isn't that cute isn't that cute my kepi you put your kepi on the pillow to go schluffy okay I like that Yiddish words are cute mm-hmm. and funny. Have uh, when when a plane lands, Julie? When do you unfasten that seatbelt? When it actually when, stops at the gate? No, when I am instructed to by a member of the crew. Oh, I pop, I do pop that thing a little early. I got to admit, not me, not, not right me. away, but not me. When no, I see no, the no. gate come, when I see the little thing coming up, the little tunnel tube, I'm like, okay, we're in the home stretch here. We're not taking off again. No, you have to listen to orders. You have to listen to orders and you have to do what they tell you to do. Really? Yeah, the, otherwise you're you're going to be like Jim Brewer. Right? Brett's nodding. Brett Brett saw Jim Brewer's latest yeah, videos where 
He's angry about people doing what they're supposed mm -hmm. to do, and he calls us sheep, and it's not nice. Mm -hmm. And people who have jokes about him being goat boy or taking horse pace while he's calling us sheep, yes, those are the funniest jokes in the world, and yes, I enjoy laughing at them, and sure, I see how they're using animals. Mm -hmm. But I do what I'm supposed to do because I'm a good girl. I'm well. a, I'm a, I'm a star pupil. I I think that's great that you are you respect the rules and you're a bad boy of the air yeah. and you unclick that seatbelt mm -hmm. and yeah. I'm sure I'm sure your pal Jim Brewer does the same thing. I do want to say that we should probably lay off the Jim Brewer stuff on a serious note because Forever Dog actually does have a new show. It Brett it's Brett. Yes, it's called the Brewery. It's it's called the Baker. It's called the it's called the Glazer and the Brewer, and mm -hmm. it's about we we haven't announced it yet. So this is an exclusive right here. This is exclusive. Yeah. Jim Brewer brews different batches of beer that they try to match with Brett Brett pairs that Brett pairs with uh, different fishes and and yeah. We're looking for a candlestick maker too, by the way. <laughs> do you think? Do you think this? Uh, do you think this pineapple uh, IPA goes well with this halibut? Ma mahi mahi maybe yeah. let's pair this with a mahi mahi a very flaky this fish is kind of oily a little heavy that's why i tried to counter it with a lighter glaze you know the vaccine is just madness like they're just like that's what the show is <laughs> like He's brett's just like, talking about vaccines and brett's yeah. like trying to keep it on topic yeah brett's like i tried a honey wasabi glaze on this one i figured i'd try something for a more oily heavier fish i figured i'd try like a, a, a like a lighter glaze. fresher kind of flavor yeah this is good stuff you know what else is the good stuff ivermectin i just uh <laughs> i paired i poured some ivermectin on this fish fillet sandwich fish fillet sandwich Brett, would you be offended if someone took one of your fish creations mm -hmm. and just like slapped it on a bun with some tartar sauce? Would you feel that would be disrespectful? Oh, not at all. Not at all. You know, I, I think um, that's the great thing about fish. You can go high with it. You can go low with it. You can go right in the middle. You know, fish is a very versatile food. Mm -hmm. And I, I certainly don't look, you know, I love a good, uh, you know, fried fish sandwich down by the seaside. Um, so I certainly don't don't look ill on anyone who's, who slaps a piece of fish mm -hmm. on a sandwich and, and mm -hmm. calls it a day. Well, maybe the word mm -hmm. slap is what's the, what's making it seem uh, like there's an issue here. They, they, they slap it on a... Mm -hmm. ah! mm -hmm. They go into Brett's kitchen they, with, a, right. with a loaf of Wonder Bread and they, give me that fish. You know, I was thinking recently about like whether Brett doing rubs and glazes for fish will ever not be funny or interesting to us. And mm -hmm. I don't think it will. You don't think it'll because, ever be interesting? No, I agree. no, no, ever, ever not be interesting. No, like, I feel like he said that because there was a best of that you published, Brett, earlier this year. It was like best of 2021. And you mentioned this rubs and glazes thing this year. This is not like, this is like a relatively new discovery. And we have mentioned it seven or eight times on every episode yeah. we've done yeah. since it's now i think there's episodes it, where we didn't say our names but we said yeah something this about one bread. this one for example this one so far yeah now bread is rolling in his kitchen 
He's going to make some rubs and glazes. Make some rubs and glazes. He's going to make fish. some rubs and glazes with fish. For gonna fish. going to make some rubs and glazes for fish. And I am going to say, you know, I know we have like a very exciting A-list guest coming mm-hmm. up. Oh, incredible yes. guest coming yeah. up. I'm going to pitch that we lay off talking about rubs and glazes oh. for fish because I feel like it's going to confuse our guests. Well, no, we won't. Look, I, look, he seems game for it. Though. Julie, let's 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 hold some votes right now. You and yeah. I. I feel like I know what Brett's vote is based on what he just muttered. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm saying just you and I. Mm-hmm. Okay, here, here, I, I propose a vote that today, yeah, when our esteemed guest comes on, a lister, a lister. First, we got to make it clear that Brett is is the producer, a producer, and not the yeah. co-host. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't want to. I don't want to end up. I'm not going back in that zone again. I'm not going back yeah. with this. With this one. As God is my witness, you'll never, uh, you'll never dwell in those shadows again. Thank you. I just don't want. He'll be like, "Hey, Julie. Hey, Brett." Well, Robin Colombo said, "Hey, Julie. Hey, Brett. Hey, Chris. I'm so happy to be here." <laughs> then, hey, Hi, Chris, Chris. Gethard. Yeah. yeah, I'll visit her in jail. So the vote is that we Lock shouldn't talk about Robs or <laughs> Robs or glosses <laughs> when, when our, when our, when our. A-list. Uh, by the way, Jim Brewer might be the goat. Boy, this guy's the goat. When he comes yeah. on, we don't talk about this thing that we're, as I mentioned, obsessed with. Yeah, these are the things we don't talk about today in front of this guest. Okay. Rubs. Glazes. <laughs> what about marinades? Marinades. You've, Definitely yeah. not marinades. I wouldn't marinated, know how to no. begin talking about, about compound that. butters. No marinades. Brett, if, if you had had a girl, would you have named her mar- marinade? It would have been in the running. <laughs> lady Marinade. Yes. Cre- Creole Lady Mar- Marinade. Uh, yeah. <laughs> marinade. Brett's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Amy's trying to sleep. Yeah. 530 in the morning. Why are you singing Lady Marmalade? Like that, we, and our child's name is not Marinade. Brett's like, well, what if our kid was named Marinade? Our kid's not named Marinade. This didn't happen. Why are you doing this? I'm having a hard time. He's right. The pressure's <laughs> really getting to me. He writes an original song about the song he's singing called I'm Gonna Serenade to My Marinade. Yeah. Our child is not named Marinade, though, Brett. I'm trying to wake the baby up. Tom. Yeah, with great did music. You, did Tom, did you listen to the unhinged well, three minute? No, I loved I, it, Brett. Brett, I, I stopped it in the middle. I could not stop laughing. I saw did something went up last night. And then Tom, I saw a tweet where you were just like, I was like, I don't know what this is. And then you immediately tweeted, we didn't know what we didn't know this was happening. And I was just like, yeah. the show's I was like, the show's tomorrow. I'm yeah. saying I'm taking it to the airwaves. Yeah, what we is were it? not. We were not told. We were not warned. Yeah. We were not told. All of a sudden, from the double threat account, yeah. mm-hmm. I see an announcement mm-hmm. with a photo of salmon attached to it, saying "bonus glazed. episode mm-hmm. glazed salmon." Yeah, saying "bonus uh, episode." <laughs> yeah, 
is. I'm going about my Friday business. I'm preparing for the Sabbath. We, everybody I'm, listening might as well just start making bonus episodes. That, <laughs> let's see how far we can crack open what constitutes an episode of Double Threat. I, right. I would say I say one of the one of the mainstays needs to be that the the double threats are on the show for I or that say, we or 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 that we know about it. That we, yeah, I'd say there's two two things. We're, we we know about it and we appear on it kind of i think that's maybe the 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 one oh ones of what constitutes an episode of double threat being uh or i'm gonna sanctioned. say this or one of us is on it we'll one say. of us at least one of us is on it and we don't at find out one. about it on twitter yeah oh hey Look, when, then, when you're when you're front, when you're front of house when you're front of house, which I am, you, you don't take everything back to the green room. You know, sometimes a, a problem presents itself and you just say, you know, I'll take this. I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to bother the, the stars. We're not yeah, in the, the green room, buddy. I'm going to. We're in the yeah. boardroom. Mm-hmm. You bring it to the boardroom. Tom, you got to hear this. Brett. Yes. Will you please play the part where you sing? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Didn't get around to auto tuning myself, so this is just raw. I just want to put this out there, Brett, because I do, I do, we do give you the business, and yeah. I loved it. Okay. Oh, thank you. So I much. loved thank it. You. Oh no, I I loved I'm excited it. about it. I like. And, I'm, I think it's exciting. I and last week, I think I was a little mean to you. I think it was harder on you than usual, and it's only nah. because I get. I, I. I'm just telling you right now. I don't like being abandoned for babies or otherwise. Sure, understood. You understood. left us for a week. Well, this was my way of saying I'm back, baby. Okay. No, he's saying he's back to his baby. Well, he's back. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry, guys. I was talking about the baby. He's I'm he's back, back baby. To, See you later. He's clearly, he's clearly back to back yeah, with things you. that are preventing him from making choices, like telling Tom and Julie if they're posting a friggin' bonus episode yeah. where he's just him singing to himself. I'm back, baby. See you, non babies, later. Mm-hmm. Fine. All right. So let's hear this. The point being is that I have a little song that I like to sing whenever I'm feeling down all about my favorite things. And it goes a little like this. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. Glazes on fishes and rubs also on fishes. Some parts of Georgia and Knott's Berry sliders. Look, it's Ray Winstone. He's in sexy beats. These are a few of my favorite things. Okay, stop, 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 stop. I'm just going to say cancel, cancel our guest, cancel our guest. This needs to be fully analyzed and broken down. Speaking of suitcases, this needs to be unpacked. Yes. Unpacked. Or speaking of suitcases, this needs to be put in one and thrown into a river. I mean, Tom, <laughs> have you ever? What? Wait, can I ask you guys? Let's back up. What did you expect versus what did you just hear? What I just heard was Rogers and Hammerstein rolling over in their graves. <laughs> I just heard them. <laughs> Banging on their coffins (laughs) from inside, trying to get out to to finally, they're going to get you, Brett. Vengeance. It's a vengeance thriller. They're going to malignant you. I did have some trouble with the rhyme scheme. Sorry, guys. 
You know, it's you know when somebody rhymes glazes with also glazes. <laughs> it's a little bit of a heads up for what um for what, he, he what runs, what's coming down he the pike. Beast with things. <laughs> when, it's, when it starts on a like I pronounced it things though, so it kind of made it. <laughs> no, this is great. This actually, frankly, it makes me nervous that we're lo- no longer necessary. I think yeah. that's what I'm re- reacting I, I to. I kind of feel like we've been we've been replaced. This is, this is all about Eve stuff. Yeah. No, this doesn't. This doesn't exist without you. This is the Frankenstein monster that you've you've created. This is, you know, I don't even recognize myself anymore. Listening to this, this isn't, is, this isn't is that some... that great moment when you're just like, wait, who did I become? You're like, hold on a second, who am I now? I don't even like half this shit. Yeah, exactly. You're like, you're like how did I get all the way over here? It happened one little step at a time. I'm pretty far away from where I was. <laughs> wow look i can't even see where uh-huh. i used to be from here anymore and i didn't right. even know i was moving yeah it's like being out in the ocean and suddenly you're just like where's our towel right oh halfway down the beach we we got moved far away yeah and then you're tom hanks talking to a volleyball yeah where where's our towel uh i think we got some bigger problems What's that? I saw Tom Hanks. Uh, so Tom Hanks arguing with a volleyball, and he was shredded, and he was jacked. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I had two whiskeys last night. And I ended up housing two veggie dogs on the street. <laughs> I had two whiskeys and a beer. Like, keep them coming. One more. And then I, I went to Criff Dogs on St. Mark's, which I haven't mm-hmm. been to since I was a, a, co- a, a co-ed. Okay. I said, give me two veggie dogs and don't be stingy with the kraut. <laughs> and the next thing I knew, I was because mm-hmm. I'm like, no, it's not for here. It's to go. <laughs> Cut to me on like Second Avenue. Fine, it's for here. Just it's housing for... them. And you're housing like, them. You're like stuffing it's... them in my mouth. Yeah, they're to go. And then you walk six steps. You're like, now they're for here. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. I go and I want to eat in there. It'd be it would be unladylike. I went and got a sandwich the other day, and then I was like, "Am I going to eat this in this place?" No, I'm getting this to go. And then I get in the car. I'm like, "Can I eat it literally right in front of the place?" I know. And I was like, "No, I can't." So I drove two blocks away. Still ate it in my car. Just not in front of the place. I don't want it on a plate. I want it in a bag. A bag is my plate. Thank you very much. Now, here's the thing with sauerkraut. 
when you bite into it, there's always going to be stuff like hanging off of it mm-hmm. of the of the hot dog. Yeah, it's not a very elegant uh, topping. No. So your brain is like, quick, catch that sauerkraut with another bite. Uh huh. Yeah. So you end up. It's almost like a. a it's like, like a real eating, life video like, game. Or like yeah, like a cat eating string, and you get towards the cat. You're like, stop it, and they just eat it faster. Mm-hmm. Do you take Jimmy Jazz out to the veggie dog stand? Take me out to the hot dog stand. I'm a tuxedo cat. Yeah. Meow, Buy meow, me meow, some meow, hot dogs meow, with sauerkraut. Meow, 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 meow. Mom meow, is meow. a pig. She has two oh, hot dogs stop. on Second Avenue. I don't like that. Second Avenue, 11 p.m. Well, you, listen. You just said if you just made your cat any, call you a pig. If anyone saw me. I'm going to go over there. I'm going to punch that cat in the face for saying please that. Please don't. Well, only you if it takes out. You don't talk that his, way about my friend Julie. If, if you take out his five remaining teeth, I will pay you not as much as I would pay okay. the doctor to do it. I'll, but I'll still pay you. Look, you cat listen. bastard. You don't talk that way about my friend Julie. If anyone saw me on Second Avenue last night. Get out from under inhaling, that Inhaling, inhaling two hot dogs. It was not me. That was not Julie. It was not me. It was Gooley. <laughs> it's almost um. It's almost Crip Keeper season. Yeah. John Cassier, right now, you're sitting high, buddy. You're mm-hmm. you're flush. Mm-hmm. Probably Plus now he's cash. probably now he's like let's buy time to pull the trigger on that flat screen. Yes, hello, Best Buy. How much is a thirty-two inch flat screen? So how about a flat screen? They tell him and it's it's too much money, and then he's like, well, yeah. then how about a flat screen? Dude, yeah, how much for a flat screen? Well, and uh, speaking of John Cassier, I've got a guest in the waiting room <gasps> right now that could act act circles around John Cassier. Oh my uh, god, I can't believe it. Tom, do you believe this? I don't. I don't. I'll believe it when it happens. One of the best actors working. One of the best actors. And I'll I'll tell you. Maybe I'll tell you this. Well, no, I'll tell you this before he comes on. So this week I kind of did all my research about Paul Walter Hauser because I loved him in Cruella and I loved him and I think you should leave. And then I, uh, I, went, I went back and I watched Richard Jewell. I was blown away. I thought this is this is like a first class. Honestly, I'm going to break this out. Like, I I wish I could have seen him act with Philip Seymour Hoffman. I am not sparing yes. praise when I tell you this guy is of the caliber of, I mean, I just, I was just blown away. It's like when people fall from the sky, when you don't know yeah. mm-hmm. who they are. <clears throat> and the last time I felt like that was with, um, how is it? Brian Tyree Hill, is that his full name? Uh, Henry, Brian, yeah. Brian Tyree Henry. When he was on Atlanta, and it was just like, who yeah. is this guy? And like, you don't even know like what, who they, how much acting they're doing in terms of who they are as actual people, and you're just not clear on that. And that's the best. <clears throat> that means you're lost in the performance, and that's just the best. That means you're buying the performance completely yes well and speaking of completely uh oh. this next uh guest completes me uh tom and julie please say hello to paul walter hauser Yay! oh my goodness how are you hey couple quick questions okay 
Mm -hmm. Um, Can I eat a rotisserie chicken during (laughs) it? Um, I'm going to say yes. Yes. To that. Can I? This is already the greatest episode of the show ever. That's not true. The guest. Offering to eat a rot- offering to eat a rotisserie. Most get most guests just do it. They don't even ask. I can't imagine what the next question is going to be. Swear words, yay or nay? Oh, you can curse. Sure, absolutely. Curse your curse your balls off. I love chicken. I love swearing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is ex- so exciting! We have on the show right now Paul Walter Hauser, and this is. I'm not going to put down the usual guests we get here, Paul. We get a cavalcade of great pe- of people in all different. Um, you, boy, you really do like chicken. You were not lying. <laughs> you. <laughs> um, There's so, nothing left on that bone. Yeah. Now, um, I just lost. Is, forgive me. I just lost forty pounds to play a serial killer for this Apple show. Uh huh. So when I get to eat, it's like yeah. vaguely sexual and bothersome. Sure. Well, Paul, I think I found the 40 you lost and I'm currently <laughs> carrying them all for now. I found an extra five past that 40. No, um, Beautiful. no matter what they say, words can't bring you down. <laughs> Those are this, lyrics. Yeah, that that's uh, Christina Aguilera. The great. Um, now, we are excited. This is what we call in the biz a get. This is a get. And we got, got a get. How are you? I'm spoiled. Um, thanks for having me on the show. I I, um, I got to tell you, big fan of Julie's. Back in, I think it was 2015, I got Hulu. And just like everybody else, I said, what is this weird thing that won't last? And then... Uh, and it was called I, Difficult People. <laughs> no, I meant Hulu as a streaming service. No, 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 I get it. People. Thank give, you. Give me 30 seconds to be a weirdo and just point out difficult people was easily the funniest show since like it's always sunny in Philadelphia and Kimmy Schmidt. Mm-hmm. It, it, it understood its tone in a way that few things do. Uh, the guest stars alone should validate the show more than an Emmy win could ever validate it. Absolutely. Aww, um, thank you. Andrea freaking Martin, Martin short. Yep. I mean, just like SNL stars galore, but then also cool, like random people that you wouldn't even think of. And, you know, the fact that it lasted three seasons uh, and not seven or 10 upsets me, but I love it to pieces. And it made me laugh during a time when I was still struggling, trying to do the actor gig. This is a show me and my friends watched and like it cheered us up when we were broke as shit auditioning for guest stars. Well, thank you so much, Paul. And you missed it, but we were singing your praises before you came on, and I compared you to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Remember, Tom? Remember? Yes, you did. Because I was a huge fan of you from Cruella. I thought you were a British guy. I didn't recognize you at all. I really did. And then I obviously loved you on I Think You Should Leave. You made me very angry at Jamie Taco. And then (laughs) I finally, this week, caught up, and I finally watched Richard Jewell, and I thought, Holy shit. There was that. I mean, I've just, I was just completely blown away. Oh, and goodness. that must have been, I mean, was that, 
obviously it must have been intimidating to be like in scenes with Kathy Bates and directed by Clint Eastwood. And yeah, but that's you a, were just, I, I want to break that down. I want to yeah, get, let's, can, like, can we talk about that a little bit before we get into the fun stuff? Well, I mean, I guess this is, this is, this is I'm fun. having fun. At I least. also do yeah. want to just say, not that I'm a bigger fan of you, but I remember in 2010 oh when I saw you as Dale in Virginia, I was like, this guy has something. And then yeah. I watched Community and I saw student number three and I was like, <laughs> circle this, circle this name, circle it. I tell you, student number three is what got me that lake house. <laughs> that got me the, that's yeah. what got me the grotto on my pool. Um, no, I, <laughs> dude, uh, Virginia was a big deal for me. I had seen the movie Milk and loved it. Mm-hmm. And cried watching it. And then Lance won his Oscar for writing it. And I cried during his speech. And so I just went to be a background actor, like an extra mm-hmm. at the casting call for his directorial debut in my home state of Michigan. And I saw him and I walked up to him and I was like, you know, I'm a weirdo. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like a big Jesus guy, but I'm also pretty liberal. And I, I love my LGBTQ plus um, times a thousand so I walked up to him and was like, hey, dude, in your speech, when you said God doesn't hate gay people, like that needs to be said way more to the folks who don't get it. And I, I just really appreciate it and wanted to say congrats. And uh, I hope the film turns out great. Literally mm-hmm. 40 seconds of blather of me just if I got to meet Lance Black once, that's what I'd want to say to him. And uh, I ended up with like, I think, the sixth biggest part in the movie. And I got to work with Jennifer Connelly and Ed Harris and all these amazing people. So I really owe my break to Lance black. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, you know, I love that guy. And, and that movie, my, the movie didn't do that well, but like it meant a lot to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, it's th- so it starts with you're an actor, you're in Michigan. Yeah. You grew, you grew up in Michigan. When did you, when did you make the move out of like, what, when did you make your big step toward acting? Like, what was the first thing where you're saying, hey, I'm an actor. I got to go all the way in on this. I was obsessed with it, dude. I was just like, I watched the Oscars and the Golden Globes, every People magazine. and Like, I went through all my old shit at my my sister's house the other day. She was so kind of like her and her husband let me put like 10 boxes of my crap from high school and college in their basement. And I went through it the other day and I was looking at it and... Like I saved like people magazines and TV guides and like just random weird hoarder stuff. Mm-hmm. It was not unlike those sad girls who are like, Justin Bieber is my boyfriend. He mm-hmm. just doesn't know. It. And they're like crying at the concert. Mm-hmm. That was me. But with like uh, Brian Cox. <laughs> like Brian Cox is my do you grandfather. Prefer, do you prefer his lector? Where does his lector sit on your scale of lectors? <laughs> Didn't we don't have to read all my the lecture scale. I really got to stop tweeting when I'm drunk. <laughs> no. Um, no, I. Uh, you, you just played a serial killer. Yeah, you I'm still just... still playing them. Yeah, oh, no. uh, to the to chickens at least, rotisserie chickens. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I just like Lecter. I put this chicken skin on my face. Sergeant John Pemery. Sergeant so, yes. No, I I think Cox is right up there with um with Homeboy with Sir Sir Tony Hoppy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm moving like I'm kind of moving like a pigeon today. Kind oh, of doing yeah. a little head nod thing. You're moving in a grooving. Yeah. I'm moving and grooving. I, I was obsessed with the whole acting thing and I, I decided I'd move to LA. I didn't know I'd get to move there with 
like eight grand to my name out of nowhere and a, a credit with Lance and Jennifer in them. So that was a big deal. And uh, my dream was to be on Saturday Night Live. And mm-hmm. I wanted to be repped by Rhonda Price at Gersh. And I wanted to be on SNL for like five to six years. You know, don't yes. stay too long. Yeah. You had the whole thing where you're just like, look, if I don't want to outstay my welcome, I kind of want to leave them wanting a little bit more. Leave a little food on the table. Leave <laughs> These are going to be calling and they're movie based uh-huh. on this uh, golf caddy character I've been working on. It's obviously going to get like a hundred million the first weekend. And obviously, <laughs> um, no, I really, I really dreamt of being the next Rob Reiner. So the dream was SNL. And then I thought, how could I do what Rob did where you make spinal tap? I think spinal tap is 84. Then it went princess bride stand by me. Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men, American President. I was like, can I try to do what that dude does where you jump around genres and make dope movies? And that Mm -hmm. was the dream. I didn't know I'd get to work with Spike Lee and Clint Eastwood. That was very like weird spiritual nepotism. I felt like God threw that shit in my lap and it was my job not to screw it up. That is about it. How intensive was the the path to becoming to getting cast as Richard Jewell. It was, I dude, it's the, it's not, I didn't do anything. That's that when people want to give me credit, I always feel like guilty. Like I'm lying. Cause I literally, I was sober while shooting the five bloods spikes movie in Thailand. Mm-hmm. I was alone. I didn't have an assistant. I didn't bring a buddy I didn't bring a girlfriend, nothing. And I was miserable, not on the movie. Cause I love making movies. I love spike, but I was alone in a foreign country and the air pollution. They're like, go outside and wear a mask. Careful. You might get robbed. Careful. You might get sick from street food. I, I just was like this weird sheltered kid who like wasn't traveled and wasn't enjoying myself in Thailand. And I get a phone call one night that says, Hey, you've been offered the lead in a mini series to play Richard Jewell. And it was the most lucrative thing I'd ever been offered. It was insane. It was, I wouldn't have even asked for what they offered. No, like what, like, what would they have seen that they would have made that offer from? What probably, would have been? Probably a combo of Itania, Black yeah. Klansman, yeah. I show Kingdom, which was underseen, but I, I, I like did my thing in mm-hmm. it. And so I think some combo of those roles and, okay. and they offered it to me three days later. Cause the agents are doing the agent thing where they're like, we're going to get you more money. And I'm like, can you not screw up my life? I'm fine. Yeah. Don't lose the job. Yeah. Uh, and while they're doing that three days later, I get a phone call that says Clint Eastwood wants you to star in his new movie. And I was like, probably not. And they're like, no, it, they do. It's Richard Jewell. And I go, are you telling me I've been offered the same <laughs> character <laughs> in opposing roles within 72 hours? Is that what the fuck you're telling me? And, And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. And at the end of the day, what was really tough, Tom, was the fact Mm -hmm. that I had to sit in my bed at four in the morning in my underpants, having not slept on a call with agents who are 14 hours behind me in L.A. And they're like, you have to make a decision. They're getting pissed. They're not going to wait any longer. We can't give you an offer on the Clint Eastwood Richard Jewell. It's just a verbal offer. There's no paperwork. Wow. Okay. There's paperwork and a high six figures if you want to do the TV show instead. Mm-hmm. So I like just said to them, I'm like, yo, the Bible talks about you can operate out of fear or love. You, the two can't really abide. 
And I was like, fear would tell me to take the money. Love would tell me to work with Clint Eastwood. Tell him I'm going to work with Eastwood. Cool. So they were all like, rah, rah, siskumba. I was like ready to put a gun to my head. And, <laughs> and, uh, uh-huh. and it just so happens it turned out well. The movie didn't make as much money. It didn't. It wasn't like it won Best Picture, but I had a great opportunity. I think I seized it and I learned a lot. Like I learned a lot working with all those people. And I learned about myself where like, I did stand up for 12 years. A lot of people don't know that. I, I could do, I did stand up in front of 2000 people. I opened for David Tell and Pauly Shore and stuff. And like, really? if, like back when I was 19, I, op- I opened for them on a college show in front of like 2000 people. It was terrifying. <laughs> but like, I could do that. But mm-hmm. driving to set with, uh, driving to set in the morning to go to Richard Jewell, I literally would be blaring Kendrick Lamar beating my chest till it was red and drinking cold brew because I had to convince myself I was worthy of the the task, the the opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so when I showed up, it was kind of me being this elevated, not fake version of me, but kind of, I got to like put something on because it's really scary. You don't want to fuck a $40 million Warner brothers movie based on a dude who died. Like it's not a good look. So, but you also were probably able to channel that vulnerability and 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 desire to do good. I, it was tough because Richard Jewell was kind of uh, it wasn't like what people would consider cool, and I'm just like I'm so cool. <laughs> he's, he's biting so, into a chicken yeah, leg. Exactly. While he's saying that to cool. see you guys know. Uh-huh. How do I play Richard Jewell when I'm when I'm like I'm like I'm like uh-huh. you know what I'm like I'm like of Adam Levine. <laughs> I'm like if Adam Levine was like fat and didn't dress cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you Wait, I just want to ask one more yeah, question about yeah, yeah. Richard Jewell. That scene in the boardroom with the lawyers at the end, did you do a couple takes where you cried? Because there's such an emotional power to him finally standing up for himself that I just remember like like feeling anxious, not not anxious for him, but just like just saying, like, get out what you need to say right now. Right now is your chance. That scene is so great. And I just wanted to know what it was like to shoot it. And if you had other takes where you felt like you broke or you like just like like straddling that line between like I'm standing up for myself, but also like I feel like I'm going to break down. I mean, that's a pretty universal human emotion. Like in general, like forget FBI high stakes, like who hasn't been in a room with someone who they know doesn't like them and felt kind of undermined and uh, maybe. uh, That's how Brett feels right now. I mean, Brett, you're adorable little, little (laughs) detached goatee. You look like, look like if the mountain man came back to the city and goes, yeah, I guess I'll mingle with you people. I guess I'll become Oh, wow. I'm living right now. I'm living. That's That's all we're going to talk about. Never made him happier. Look at him. He just had a baby. He just had a baby and like he didn't give a shit compared to how happy he is right now. Congratulations on having a baby and wearing the hell out of that crimson shirt, bud. Oh, my God. Thank you. Oh, my God. I'm feasting right now. We've never seen him happier. (laughs) I um. Noted to, to just sum it up, I really I thought I thought that scene, even though elevated, was pretty universal emotionally. And the day I had to shoot it, 
my two of my agents from CA showed up and I was like, of course they show up today and not the day where I'm doing two lines. Well, you know, uh, so anyway, I do it and there's added pressure, but I'm kind of in the zone and I'm listening. I'm probably listening to the national, you know, in, in my earbuds and getting all white boy weepy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I get mm-hmm. into the room and do it. And I, we did a wide, we started on a wide shot and it was the best take I did out of any of them, Wow! but it sucked because it was in a wide. You're not going to play that in a wide shot. So the second I did it, Clint, the Clint didn't yell cut and they go, boss, do you want to cut? And he goes, that was perfect. And they just kind of looked down like he almost looked defeated, but inspired. I didn't know how mm-hmm. to read him. And then he punched in and they moved in and I probably got about four takes of the punched in version and I didn't cry in any of them. I just kind of stayed in that place because I knew that the diner scene at the end of the movie where I eat that donut, I had planned probably two weeks in. I planned, I was like, I think I'm going to take a bite of the donut and let the character feel his freedom a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and the sweetness and the sugar of the donut. And that's kind of who, who he is as a guy, like getting to, digest a bite of donut is going to be weirdly profound and be the catalyst to make me cry in in the moment. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to cry in the boardroom because I knew I was going to do it in the diner and Rockwell kind of made fun of it and was like, you know, don't call it house or don't call it the crying scene. Don't like, don't, don't make it about the crying. It's not about that. It's about, you know, but uh, on the day we did it and I was really happy with how it turned out. And I asked for more takes. Clint's very notorious for one or two. Mm-hmm. But there were three scenes in the movie that I told Clint, I said, dude, I love you. I know you have a process and you're the man. Everybody knows that. But you've allowed me to star in your $40 million bio- biopic. You need to let me do a couple more of these because um, it's about making your movie good. It's not in, it's not about ego. It's not about fear. It's about trying to give you what you need. Um, and very gracefully, I think two out of the three times, maybe even all three, I think he let us do like an extra two takes. So that was cool. Yeah. He's got and a whole system down, huh? With the uh, same working with the same crew and the same, yeah, everything's like a machine. And it's a great machine, but my whole thing is like, I, I, how do I say this? I want to be respectful, but I also want to be me, which is tough sometimes. Um, I don't care about legacy uh, to the degree that I'm going to lie to someone's face. If something's not great, I, I, I would want to be told when I'm not great and people have uh, often. Um, so <laughs> I, why can't I elicit the same thing and, and have that sort of transactional reciprocity? So like I, I sat down with David Mamet once who offered me his fatty Arbuckle movie that he wrote for Chris Farley. I was honored that he even knew who I was, let alone bought my chicken parm or whatever. So we're sitting down and he notoriously doesn't allow improv. In fact, he likes to dictate the diction and the delivery of his actors. Yeah, like he basically writes in line readings. Oh, yeah. And and once again, process, it's worked. I like the verdict. I like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. I get it. But I said to him, I go, if we're going to do this, I have to be able to improvise and kind of do my own thing. And, Mm -hmm. and a couple of my actor friends were like, you said that to Mamet. And I'm like, it's not about saying it to Mamet. It's about doing a really good job for Mamet. And if somebody's ego gets in the way of 
what we're trying to accomplish, it's going to be a shitty product anyway. Yeah, that's a good, you're actually, you've got some, it's some big picture thinking you're trying to do on these, on these things and not just, it's not just, that's not as ego driven in its own way, actually, because you're, you're, you're being respectful of the, the larger, uh, goal. Right. And, and we all have ego. It's okay to admit that it's like prejudice. You know, we're not all racist, but we do all have prejudice, uh, born in us, unfortunately. And I think, it's okay to, you know, have those discussions. And you know what? The people who don't want to have the discussions are the ones where you go, oh, this might be a never meet your heroes scenario. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I, maybe I like you in a theater, but not in the same room for three months, you know? And that's okay, too. Oh, absolutely. There are friends that I, I know, Julie, I, I, would, I would think you would feel the same way. There's certain people where you're like, I, it's probably better that we've always been friends and not worked together because it would just change the dynamic. But I can say this, Paul, and to everybody listening, I have worked with Julie and we want to talk about difficult people. She wrote, she's not much success. She wrote every one of those, almost 98% of those jokes were from Julie's brain. 98, I'm going to say 98%. I was there for pretty much. Except for the ones I got in trouble for. Those were somebody else. Yeah. Somebody else did those two, those awful some, 2% that got some, you in trouble. No, but bastard. seriously, I'm going to say this. I'm not Thank here to you. promote you, Julie. I'm not here. But you know what? Paul mentioned difficult people. And I've just got to say, I was there. You want to get, I said it before. I'll say it again. Line by line. There's no funnier writer in show business than Julie Klausner. Oh, well, high praise Paul, coming from a high praised man. I saw it. I, I saw it with my own eyes. I thank you, and I hope to write something for you, Paul. These scripts are coming in just an embarrassment, and then Julie's like, "Give me this. Watch, watch what I do." And it comes back, and it's a listen. I would of greatness. Yeah, I would love to weasel in and work with Julie. I think nothing would make me happier to write to write for you, Paul. To to quote um to quote, I think you should leave. Give me that. Give me that. (laughs) To quote, I think you should leave. I gotta go. How did you get? <laughs> how did Let's you get in about, with him? We need to talk about. I think you should leave, and that bastard Jamie Taco, and you getting in that line. You said jabronis like seven times in that line. <laughs> yeah, that is, okay, so th- th- here's how I got this show. Because Tim's a funny. Tim is the all like Tim that's a that's Robinson a Hall of Fame funny. So, and I was watching Doctor Strange Love, and I was watching George C. Scott, and I thought Tim Robinson should be playing George C. Scott in something. Oh gosh, I haven't seen Doctor Strange Love since high school. I he is so funny in that movie, and I thought, who's who's as funny as this guy? It's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, that's right, Tim Motherfucking Tim. Robinson. Here's here's the thing about Tim. I want to point this out. <clears throat> Do any of you have siblings? Yeah, we both both do. So I have three siblings. We don't agree on everything, but one thing that is like steroidally agreed upon is our shared sense of humor and how born in us it is. It's kind of so cement. It's like cement on cement, but it's the kind of thing where we have this weird humor where like we'd be in church on a Sunday growing up and some woman would walk up really stoically to like read a Bible verse in front of the church. And we'd be whispering to each other. Like we, we just say fucked up stuff to each other that would make each other mm-hmm. laugh. Like she just starts talking. What if she gets up there and just starts talking about her divorce 
And we'd be like, what if she got up there and just lit up a joint? Like it was always a what if scenario joke, uh-huh. but we did it ad nauseum and we still do it. And sometimes it's like, grab your body. Like you're literally in pain laughing. And for some reason, I don't know what it is, but Tim Robinson's humor feels mm-hmm. like weird inside joke, personalized mm-hmm. humor. It's like the mm-hmm. difference between a Michelin chef and Red Lobster. Now I like Red Lobster and I can, I can eat some Cheddar Bay biscuits like I'm stoned and on an Island somewhere, uh-huh. but, but the Michelin chef, there are going to be people that go to Red Lobster and then they taste the Michelin chef and go, the hell is this? Why is it this big? I hate this. That's Tim Robinson though. He's that funny and that good that if you mm. get it, you'll say that was the best meal I ever had, even though I can't pronounce it. Mm-hmm. And, and everybody else is like, well, I, I have clam strips and they're unlimited. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. no, You're right. It is, it is inside joke. Funny. You're completely right. That is the only, that's the joke that makes you laugh. The hardest is the one that would take too long to explain to someone. Well, You can't yeah. explain it. And that's what makes it great. You can't, you also can't explain some of the shit you eat at a really nice restaurant, but it's, you know, it's dope, you know? Mm-hmm. So tell us how that came about. Did he just come to you with the sketch already? It was completely Cause, cause written. You're, you're both Michigan guys then. We you're are. Both. We never met in Michigan. We only, I saw, well, I'm like starting sentences and then fragmenting out. I, you're doing great. It's a combination of poor sleep and years of marijuana ing- ingesting. Um, <laughs> I, Met Tim Robinson at Seth Meyers' Golden Globes party. Him and Sam were wasted. And I went up and said hi to them and talked to them. And I was always a fan of him and thought he was funny. My buddy Tim Baltz, I think, worked with him at Second City. And I had heard stories about how funny and crazy he was. But then I watched the show. I had a bunch of my guy friends from high school come visit me on Richard Jewell. I said, come to Atlanta. I'll get us an Airbnb with like a pool and I'll stock the fridge full of booze and food and we'll have a lot of fun. So like I treated my guy friends this weekend and we just binge watched. I think you should leave season one summer of 2019 and cried laughing. And we're like, this is insane. And then I IMDb Tim, which I do all the time. I'm like such an IMDb nerd. I'm a weirdo like that. And I IMDb Tim Robinson and we have the same agent. So I immediately emailed my agent that fall it's probably like October, November, 2019. I said, I will, I'll come yeah. serve lunch. Like just give me that. Give me or, that. Give me that. Mm-hmm. And she put me in an email with him and they sent me, I think they sent me two scripts. They sent me the one I did. And then they sent me the one with the guy in the courtroom with the hat. Oh my God. <laughs> and they said, choose one or the other. They're letting you choose. And I said, I could tell they were both written like with Tim in mind. Um, so it was such an honor to do it, but the, I just thought the one with the wife was just so <laughs> funny because it takes such a sharp, endless detour. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's how all my humor is. It's always like detour laced and, and really tangential and stupid. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you were in that one because your relationship with the actress who played your wife is so convincing. She was so sweet. She was so good. Her name was Jen Marsala. She's married in real life, I believe, to a TV writer or somebody who works in our industry. But she was so good. She was perfect. That scene when she's talking to you through the mirror. 
And she said it was the best line in the show. It's like genuinely touching. I was actually crying during that. I like had to ah! whip up. I had to whip up tears in that scene because my whole my whole approach to it, like I, I did that show, Kimmy Schmidt. I'm sure you guys are friends mm-hmm. with a bunch of those. Yeah, folks. yeah. Um, and I play this character, Trip Knob, and that's like <laughs> that's like athletic comedy where you have to like really lean in. This was kind of me just playing it straight like it was a drama and allowing it to be funny because of the sincerity. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was the approach with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's this really is inside the actor's studio. Some people oh. talk about like, there I was with Julianne Moore and we're both covered in, in blood. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, so there I was doing a sketch for a thousand dollars. And Jamie oh. Taco kept stealing my lines. Jamie Who's, Taco. What a, another Tim Robinson. Son of a bitch. What a, ja- what a jabroni. What yeah. a jabroni. Who's the first heavyweight when you were just on set and you looked at that person, you're just like, how on earth am I going to go toe to toe with this person? And as an addendum, were you able to just forget that Kathy Bates was Kathy Bates and just be like, this is my mom and I love her. So two things to answer Tom's question. The first movie I did, the Lance Black movie. Okay. I worked with Jennifer Connelly my first week or week and a half on the movie. And there was a night shoot where she had a fever of like 102. And I think she was missing her family and her kids. And she was kind of having a rough go of it, but she was delivering like a plus work every take. And mm-hmm. it's like midnight. Um, that was a big moment for me to just be like, Oh, this is what it's like to work with someone of that ilk. Yeah. You uh, see there's, they, they've got a different gear, different gear, different amount of preparation, um, a healthy amount of fearlessness, you know, mm-hmm. um, but she uh, she was something to marvel at. And then Ed Harris was so intimidating. The guy's like 160 pounds soaking wet, but you feel like he could beat up a dinosaur. Um, yeah, that intent- is so crazy because I in my mind, I only think of him as being like like you said, he's huge in my mind. Yeah, he could kill you with his bare hands. Oh, yeah. Or with a look, you know, and, and that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what the really great actors have. I, I think I heard. I think it was, oh, who's the guy who just died who I loved? He was in Knives Out, old guy. Oh, um, it's, what, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's Christopher like Plummer. Beginners? It's Brett. plumbing. It's, Christopher uh, Plummer? Plummer? Yeah, Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer said all the great actors have great rage, uh, not range, rage, R-A-G-E. And I mm-hmm. think Ed's one of those guys. So he really was, I, my first yeah. couple takes with Ed Harris, I was just watching him. I wasn't even acting. And then I had to like smelling salt myself and go, you're being paid to act dumbass. Like stop mm-hmm. watching. Him. Uh, but with Kathy, I suggested Kathy in the room to Clint the first day we met, they wouldn't tell me any of the casting choices. Um, and I said to him, I, I go, man, I feel like Kathy Bates has to play the mom. And he smiled and everybody in the room kind of smiled and nodded and they go, we'll see. Clearly, they had an offer out to. I think they had an mm-hmm. offer out to her. They might have talked to Fran, Francis McDormand. I don't remember, but to me, it was always Kathy. I didn't even, I didn't even think twice. I was like, she has to be the mom. And then one day, I wake up and they send me an email, and they're like, "Yeah, Kathy's your mom." And mm-hmm. and when you met her, were you immediately like just like was there like a familial kind of intimacy right away or did it have to kind of build i'm a huggy lovey guy in general i'm pretty embraced 
like I'm pretty immediately embracing of like everybody. So I was just wrapped her up my arms, gave her a hug. She whispered in my ear and said, you were so good. And I'm so glad you're the guy. And I was like, dude, I'm not going to list your whole resume, but you know what you mean to people like me. And, and we did a little meeting and we had a drink. I like left our, the, the night I met John Hamm and no, I had met John before. Who did I meet? I met Kathy and a couple other folks. And I, I went out into the hotel bar feeling like really like, like, holy shit, it's real. And I order a, a shot of scotch, uh, like a single or a double. And I, and I ordered like, I was like, yeah, give me the 25 year McCallan order. Not even thinking. They give me the shot and it's $400. And, <laughs> and they had already poured it. I wanted to give it back and they had already poured it. And I felt like an idiot. So I literally, this is pre-COVID. I just passed it around and me, Clint's producer, John Hamm, Kathy, we're all just like sipping this one shot. It was so funny. That's amazing. Yeah. Those are those great great moments where you're just like, um, yeah. Like I remember when I was like, when I didn't have any money at all and I would hang out with people who did have money and then we'd be at a restaurant and be like, should we just split the thing? And I'd be like, I had a diet Coke because I don't have any money. You all ate full meals and had multiple drinks. I, I expressly had a soda, so I yeah. didn't have to do, let's that's not I ta- divide I, it That's up. when I toss a $10 bill on the table yeah. and I run out of the restaurant. Well, 140 I just, each? I literally right? grab my phone. I go, guys, my dad died. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I was walk backwards out of the restaurant. It's tough. Can we talk about Cruella for a second? I love that movie, dude. I saw it twice in the theater. After Tom saw it in the theater, he was blown away. I saw it in the theater. I was just like, well, I want to go back to the movies. What's happening? It's just like, uh, I guess we'll try Cruella, see what that is. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is literally this is literally like Goodfellas for children. For girls to like little yeah. girls having like fashion sequences instead of action sequences. But the level of. But there are action sequences constant, in it too, but just like. Yeah. yeah. And the constant like pushing and the inventiveness and the, and the, the music energy and, and the spirit yeah. of it. I was like, I can't believe this is this is just like I, f- I like it. And I feel like this is going to be one that I'm going to have to tell people who are like. No, Cruella, you have to see Cruella. They're like, you have to see Cruella. You You have to see it's It's on Disney Plus right now. It's on Disney Plus right now for free if you have Disney Plus. You have to see Cruella. Tom was like, this is good, fellas. I said, okie dokie. I ended up seeing twice in the theater. I loved it so much. Yeah. You know what, too, though? People forget that movie's made by the same guy who freaking. We have one of the writers from The Favorite. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Yeah, that's like one of the hippest, weirdest, almost like Kubrick adjacent movies of the last 20 years. Yep. Like a Disney movie has one of the writers from the favorite, the movie with the bunny rabbits and everybody's getting fingered every nine minutes. Like (laughs) I like that's insane. And then you add on to that the fact that Craig Gillespie did Lars and the Real Girl and I, Tanya. And it's like you're going to get a dope movie. Did you work with a dialect coach? Yeah, I worked with a dialect coach named Neil Swain out of London, and he really helped. But I I was told to audition because Disney wanted to make sure they were ready to cast a British guy. Okay. Disney didn't want me. Uh, Disney didn't want me at all. Craig Gillespie wanted me. 
uh, Emma Stone wanted me. So we had to convince Disney. I, I basically just watched hook and just kept doing that thing of there's, there's a line in hook that I've keep in mind. I was born in 86. So I saw hook when I was like five or something. I've been quoting this line for 25, 30 years or whatever mm-hmm. uh, of he's Peter Pan. All right. He's just been gone from Neverland so long. He's forgotten everything. I've been saying that for 30 years or whatever it's been. So I just literally aped that from Bob Hoskins and tried to copy and paste the choices into the vocality and, and goof around in the office. And I, I got the part and Disney was happy. But when I flew to London immediately, I met with a dialect coach who brought it from like, a D plus to like a B plus. Let let let's explain to Paul what we want him to do before we let him we we, we leave him to to the rest of his of his day. Paul, if you enjoyed the if you enjoyed the the writing of a Julie Klausner. No, boy, don't you dare! Oh no, don't you! No, 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 Tom! I swear to God, we wrote this together. How dare you? No, no, no! You? But you're the vision. You're the vision. You are, of course, you, always the muse. Look, not the Albert Brooks movie. Tom, no, the, you yeah. wrote you wrote for Monk. That was like one of the best shows before TV got really good. He wrote for every. Yeah, it was season. back. It was I wrote for every season back when TV was bad. That was amazing. Right before TV got good. It was me being a dick. <laughs> it was it was the Jeffersons. It was the yeah. Jeffersons. It was and then there um, was like all those spinoffs of the Beverly Hillbillies, Petticoat Junction, Green yeah. Acres. And then one day, Tony Soprano walked in the room and said, no more. I'll take it from here. And then Cynthia Nixon walked in and said, sex and the city. He said, yeah, he just disappeared. (laughs) Paul just disappeared from the frame. Nobody's doing better zoom, zoom out. Zoom work. He's throwing up. Yeah. So, okay. So this is very hard to explain, but Tom and I once got an email from Brett saying that this guy had left forever dog and his name was Gary. And we really don't know anything about who Gary was, but we We, assume that he was a British gangster. We get this email. Right. Where it's just like, Hey everyone. uh, It's Gary. I just want to thank you all for years of, of uh of working together brett here saying, and- it was brett saying i regret to announce the loss of a tremendous <laughs> member of forever dog like a founding member of forever which is the podcast network we're on our former then, ceo then i get an email five five seconds after the email from brett comes with like eulogizing this great gary that apparently we've been working with for a year and a half now i get an email from i'm reading it and i say to myself who the fuck is Gary? And then I get an email 30 seconds later from Julie. And all it says in it is who the fuck is Gary? So we were on the same page. <laughs> like apparently we were working with some guy named Gary for the last year and a half. So we have a theory that he's been roughing up other podcast networks and we, that he sounds like Michael Caine or Ray, Ray Winstone. Yeah. And we want you to audition for the role. Well, actually, no, you've got the role. We want you to record a monologue that we wrote as Gary that we can use to threaten other podcast networks if need be. That is, that's a, that's, um, I mean, listen, it's, a long walk. it's not a short order. Paul, you don't really need to understand this inside joke. Just please I, no, read I'm the down, script as I'm a British gangster. Let's do the monologue. So, Brett, do you have a script for Paul? Yes. Yeah. Pulling it up right now. Okay. <clears throat> Give me two seconds. I just want to take right. a sip of this LaCroix. 
No, we're going to watch Brett, the Julie. Yeah, what? Julie, watch the process. We're about to watch it. Sh- should we get rid of that last Tom? Just quick, quick, quick writer's thing. Should we get rid of that last paragraph? No, no, don't, don't lose let's it. Get, let's get it. He's going to let's us. But you can always edit it. You can always edit yeah, it. Uh, here we go. All right. Okay. This is, Okay. This is, this is going to be a master class right <clears throat> now in performance. All right, everybody watch. All right, all right. Oh, Gary's the name. <laughs> Gary from Forever Dog. I couldn't help but notice that you got a nice, a right nice podcast studio here at Earwolf. What's that? Uh, Colin Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> There's the equipment, mark stands, water bottles, wooden tables with comedians named Sharpie on them, yeah. It'd be an awful shame if something happened to him. No, I don't know. Somebody could take a match to these not wooden tables. Wouldn't that be terrible? Coming to work one day, seeing a big pile of ash. I certainly not find that very nice. So, what you say to handing over all your cash to Tom and Julie? They take Venmo. I know they'd appreciate it. I know that if they don't get that generous contribution, they might get angry. And if they get angry, I get angry. And I'm not a bloke who's got a particularly healthy relationship with my temperament. You catch my meaning, yeah? Thank you for your time. Hey, you mind if I help myself that nice watch you're wearing? Good man. I think I've got just a risk for that. That's all I got. Oh, that was that was a true master class and I, i'm not sure what but it was a master class now that was paul that was transcendently great it was uh it was well written thank you oh my god this is the, this is the best day of my life <laughs> no so when you're you've done a fair amount of real life people and what what is that what does that take for you to play somebody who was an actual per not a character created wholly from fiction. What, what do you, what responsibilities or, or burdens does that present to you? It depends on the genre, because as they say, dying is easy. Comedy's hard. (laughs) (laughs) I hate when people talk like that. Comedy's easy. If you're funny, I don't know why people Mm -hmm. say that line all the time. Do you Mm -hmm. feel like comedy's hard, Tom and Julie? You're both very funny. But I don't think it's actually hard for you, is it? It's not. No, it's like breathing if you're funny. But I've I've never heard that expression. That sounds like coming from someone with no sense of humor is insufferable. It's Mm -hmm. just a Hollywood thing. In every roundtable interview, they bring it up and they Mm -hmm. go, there's an old expression. And I'm like, oh. I I think comedy's easy as shit. Some, Some windbag said this once. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, they keep repeating it. And I, I kind of laugh at it because I think drama is exponentially harder. I think okay. I think showing up and having to do some accent and relay genuine emotions and having to think the thoughts that elicit the emotions. Because if you don't think it, it's just like high school theater. We've all done that acting where you say a line. I'm waiting for you to finish so I can say a line. And then when I'm done, you can say a line. I mean, good dramatic acting, I think, is pretty tough. Um, but it also depends how close the person is to you. So, you know, playing black Klansman, I played a guy who was a composite of all these racist dudes in Colorado back in the day. And that wasn't fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I had to show up and kind of, you know, I did something where I did an underbite and I put caffeine packets in my bottom lip 
to look like oh, really? tobacco. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a posture where I bent over a little bit and kind of swiveled my head back and forth and smiled and had a certain laugh. And then I would improvise racist stuff because Spike liked my improv and I was in character and I would just go off if he let me. And like, that's not fun to do. That's not great. It's fun to be creative. It's not fun to play that guy. And Richard Jewell, that's a little more fun because he's not a scary racist, but you're trying to honor, mm-hmm. you're trying to honor someone's life. It's a different thing with commitment. Um, now, if you put me in a Duplass movie and you're like, Hey, Paul and Mark Duplass play best friends and they're married to Melanie Linsky and Chloe Savini. And you're going to improvise half your dialogue and you're playing a version of yourself. That Mm -hmm. would not be as taxing. I can do that drama a little more fluidly because I'll be playing a version of myself. But when you got to put the person on, that is kind of a taxing, weird thing. Sure. Because the Richard Jewell thing is in it and in and of itself a tricky thing because I mean, the culture looked at him as a bit of a punchline at points because he was he was just an obvious he, he, he could fit the role for that w- walking away where just like for yeah. that guy to show up in the middle of that and be overwhelmed by the entirety and the moment. Easy, easy thing to just read in the culture as like a a buffoon or or just. There's yeah. somebody who somebody who you could look down upon. You know what's really sad, Tom? I love that you said what you just said because I, I once again I get a little too much credit sometimes where people watch me and they're like, "Man, in somebody else's hands, that could have been such a doofus idiot character." But I cared about him. Here's mm-hmm. the reality, and this is kind of poking a pin in my own balloon, but I don't care that much. If we actually didn't judge people the way we do based on headlines and momentary infractions and just contextual clues that we assume are concrete character, if we didn't do that and we actually got to know certain people that we momentarily despised, we'd probably humanize them and look at them the same way you looked at me after two hours of Richard Jewell. The only reason it feels like, whoa, he's three-dimensional. It's because he sat with it for two hours. Mm-hmm. But we don't live in a culture that wants to afford that amount of grace or take that amount of patience. So um, it feels like a bit of a magic trick and look at me. But the reality is, is I, I would hope anyone would feel a modicum or a measure of of feeling for someone, even if they uh, seemed like they wouldn't be the best person. And then did the family of Richard Jewell were they happy with how you did or have you heard anything or were they supportive or his, his mom, uh, who I've met a few times, his, his, his mother, Bobby Jewell and his, um, eternal friend and attorney Watson Bryant, they said something to the effect. And I don't remember verbatim, but they said they watched the movie privately. I think maybe at Warner brothers or something. I don't remember but they watched the movie without an audience, just the two or three of them. And they said it felt like they had Richard back for two hours. Wow. So, you Aww. know, the, the tomato meters and the award seasons can say what they want. I don't think I get a better yeah. uh, meaningful compliment than that. You know, that's all no, wonderful. It's, it really did strike such an amazing tone because it's like, it's not like you, it's like you could have, there were points where you could, you could, not laugh not like you're roaring in the aisles but you're you're getting the spirit of this guy that he's he's a 
he's a, a you know, kind of outskirts of, of what people, you know, might perceive to be like, like that kind of guy who would be the face of being a, an, an, like a security law Stoic enforcement guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, he's clearly never going to fit the role with that, but you, and you can have fun with that and understand who that guy is, but it was never ultimately, um, played with any sort of um i thought you you brought such a, a depth to it and a, yeah. and a caring to it that you could have fun with him without feeling like you're without, like he was down on, on him. him exactly yeah we're not punching down i mean i think it's i think it's a good illustration but uh the movie portrays somebody pretty nakedly and mm-hmm. honestly from what i can tell we tried to and and at the end of the day there are going to be things you like and don't like you know it's it's so weird. The older I get, like, I just feel like I feel like all of my prior judgment of people is just kind of being whittled down and diluted into just realizing how similar we all are and that we all want the same stuff. It just, we all want all the same shit. We just have different packaging and bows and wrapping paper, you know? And, mm-hmm. and now the only type of person I really get annoyed by in culture is, the people who aren't willing to be educated and are just kind of mean spirited as like a hobby. Um, Cause like difficult people you watch it and like, sometimes they say mean stuff or they make fun of people or they're catty and petty about little things, but like it's Seinfeldian. It's, it's not, it's not like, it's not like we're saying these are perfect people. We're saying they're flawed people who then also make a little friend game out of pointing out the flaws in others. And it's equal parts. Like, super funny and kind of endearing and just like, really, you're going to make fun of the toaster strudel and you're the pop tart. Like, we, you know, yeah, it's that stuff. And we loved And we loved each other. Yeah. Yeah. So I think was know, that's the way to approach that stuff in my opinion. Yeah. Well, Paul, I have spent hours watching you and loving you. Just like you were saying the affection you feel for Richard Jewell in that movie and the affection that I feel for characters that you've played. I just have fallen in love with you and having spent time with you as a real person, I've just spent an hour with you and I love you even more. Absolutely. Love you guys. You guys made me feel really cool. And you know, it's one thing to get asked to do a podcast and it's, it can be fun, but like you're really accomplished people who have made me laugh and made me happy in the past too. So it means a lot. Thank you. And Paul, just so you know, this inside the actor studio stuff, you're just getting started. So we're so excited to see you at the very beginning of, of, you know, whatever, whatever is next, you're the real deal. And we're so excited to just have spent this time with you. So thank you again so much. I come to New York. You, you two better not like, forget to look at your cell phones because I'm going to be hitting you up. We're going to grab a slice of New York's uh-huh. finest. We're going to fold it because that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Right? Thank you. We're going to fold it and we're going to we're going to eat our little heart's desire. Gluten free, gluten plus, whatever. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you much, again, Paul. Paul. monologue or parts of it to open every show for, can we just replace not not no disrespect to the great mike curl but can we possibly replace our theme song with him can we replace song? oh i'd be willing to replace me with that yeah let's re- we, we, let's this is the show the from show. now on we just do that recording 
That was probably enough to, to like run it through a bot and just kind of create. We could just sort of create an endless. Why don't you, know, you do a soundboard so that you're more like Baba Booey? Okay. Yeah, I've always wanted to do a soundboard for Double Threat. I wasn't sure if that was uh, something you guys would be into Tom, or not. But what do you think of sure. that idea? <laughs> Should we give Brett that power to have a soundboard? I don't know. I gotta <laughs> well, think about build that it one. and then we'll discuss it. Although build it on say, a provisional basis, maybe giving we just try permission it out. to build yeah. it is almost like saying to North Korea, like, okay, build the nuclear bomb and then we'll have a conversation. Yeah, I got to think about whether I want Brett with a full soundboard on this show. I was thinking just like an, like doing the Foley live too, you know, not not going to it like a you right, know, forget straight, I ever you know, mentioned okay. it, you know but what? I do think Ju- that Julie, we're going to end up talking, and then suddenly you'll say, uh, you'll say, I went and got uh, two veggie, I housed two veggie dogs down on the street. Then suddenly you'd be like, oh, behave. <laughs> Like that's what's gonna happen. We give this guy a soundboard, yeah, baby. You've only pitched to improve the show. Here, you start saying something, and I'll show you what it'll be like with Brett's soundboard. So, um, I am going to meet my friend Shane. Yeah, baby. That's the same thing. You're saying he only has that one. Okay. Um, and then. Um, tomorrow, I think I'm actually going to go out to Washington Heights. Turn it off. (laughs) Turn it off. Turn it off. (laughs) Do you like that? Oh my God. I I don't not like (laughs) it. That seems fun. Mm -hmm. Brett, what's your home address? Do you want to say it on the show? (laughs) Yeah, sure. uh, Actually, I want to, I need to, I need to send you something. I need to send you something. Is this a soundboard thing? No, I need to mail you something. I'm I'm just remembering it now. I'm just saying that it would be funny if one of the things in the soundboard is Brett's full address. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of my home, it's uh, (laughs) 231 Ambassador Lane, Los Angeles, California. Oh, no. 90046. Yeah. Come on by. Meet the baby. (laughs) (laughs) The worst nightmare. (laughs) Hey, Brad. Hello, Brad. So it it seems like we accidentally doxxed Brett. Yeah. (laughs) Brett, I brought some fish. (laughs) I got a fish bachelor. You know what, though, Tom? You're presenting... Him, you're presenting Brett with like this fantasy. Like if, mm-hmm. if he had a reality show, yeah, so people far, so bring yeah. I was gonna say people bring him a fresh fish <laughs> and he gets to decide what however he like rubs he, or glazes he, yeah. it. He'd tell that guy, come on in. <laughs> Let, let's get cooked. All Let you me... need to the price of admission is one fresh so fish. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, yeah exactly. so far this is great. I brought some fish. And I got a new fish bachelor for you. Oh, great. You're long. Yeah, take a seat. Yeah. Have you been using your fish spatula a lot this week? I have. Yeah, I have. Yeah, mm-hmm. I found some other uses for it besides fish, too. Uh, it worked well on some banana pancakes this week. Um, so uh, fish uh, fish spatula is merely a sort of, um, you know, a, a, a one thing that it can be used and for. And the banana pancakes did not taste like fish. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Please, I hope you're scrubbing that spatula uh, thoroughly before you go. I don't want to, I don't want to go over to your house and have banana pancakes and be just like, this tastes like salmon. <laughs> there was a hint of halibut in the banana pancakes, but I think it enhanced it, you oh, know, uh, sure. cause they were a little, oh, a, a little too sweet. Yeah. And the, the, the halibut residue really, all this talk, really 
all I all I picture now is is Amy in a McDonald's parking lot just eating before she goes home, fat like just eating a burger real fast. She's like, I can't. He's making these pancakes and they taste like fish now, and he's telling me that's a good thing. It's it's not so hot right now over at the, at the in the kitchen. And then he's singing songs. Baby food is, yeah. Oh, gosh. He's rhyming glaze with glaze. <laughs> and uh, what's the other one? Beast and things. Yeah. We're going to get Brett a rhyming uh, dictionary. I didn't say I didn't love it. Oh, I loved it. I, I heard the 15 seconds I heard was the best thing I've heard all year. And to hear the second half. Just skip back one episode in the feed. Mm-hmm. It's right there plug, waiting for don't you. Don't plug the weird bonus episode you did without our permission. Yeah. I also have a great anecdote about the Barbra Streisand movie, The Mirror's Two Faces, that you're not going to want to miss. Oh, yeah. That was fun. Papa, can you hear me? Papa. Papa, watch me flip. And then he flips the fish. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He'll just be like. Mahi Mahi, can you hear me? <laughs> mahi, can you Mahi? As he just pours glaze over his own head. <laughs> be like lights myself on fire and that's, that's it. one be like if you had to choose a way to die. Yeah. Would that be that of his own glaze? Oh yeah, like a like a sort of a brandy glaze, something with a little bit of alcohol in it, and then just light a match and bon voyage. (laughs) Oh my god! Going off to that big, that big glazery in the sky, that big chili cook off in the sky. (laughs) When is Terralingua? November sixth. Okay, you got your ticket up. I got. uh, I have. uh, I got my Airbnb. Uh, I haven't got my uh, plane ticket yet because I'm kind of figuring out how to get there because Terlingua is is very much in the middle of nowhere. Well, Julie's driving, um, so you. Oh, I mean, oh, fantastic! Well, that solves that. Oh, Maybe I'm, she could pick you up at uh, at the I've Austin never Airport. Agreed to this? I've Julie, never agreed to this. Would you what? drive to San Antonio and pick Brett up? No. You're not going to be there holding a sign for him when he comes off the plane. As a, like, I'll be holding, gonna, I'll be holding a sign. All right. What if you put on like a, a chauffeur cap and then you like hold up a sign as if like you like work for a car service. It just says like, get in loser. Brett. It just says, Brett, get in loser. <laughs> and he's like, he's coming off. And then he's like, uh, yeah, I we checked. I checked a whole lot of bags. We're good. It's going to take a while. I checked some bags. It's like ba- bags are like clanging on the. Yeah. There's like clanging with pots and pans. Yeah, and sloshing. Stand up bass comes clanging and slot. You bring your own marinade on <laughs> yeah. the friggin'. You're waiting at the carousel. A stand up bass comes rolling down. And Brett goes, that's mine. <laughs> I'm also like, picturing. A stand up bass. Him like forgetting that you can't take liquids on the plane and like crying yeah. as he's exactly. pouring out a bottle of his own glaze. glaze. Like, yeah, and these suitcases the, got to go then. In front of the TSA lady, like yeah. sobbing. Yeah. Pouring out his own glaze into the can, tears. <laughs> and then he says, Well, you can't, if I wear the glaze, <laughs> then you can't do it. Second, it's hair gel. He gets, the second he gets into my car, yeah. he starts aggressively like squeezing the liquid out of his hair <laughs> into the ashtray of this rental car. Yeah. He's like, Don't he, touch it. 
you pull back into Enterprise, they're like, um, hey, can we just ask you a question? What's all this? Why, why, are these <laughs> why is the car so sticky? Why are they soaked with, like, want to say orange juice, and then Brett gets really mad. Yeah. He's like, come quats. Hey, uh, the car's infested with ants. <laughs> Like those aren't those ain't mine. Yeah. Wow, this was a this what a what a total treat. Paul Walter Hauser. Unbelievable. The best. The best of the best. And if we were playing um what's that called? Fantasy football or something. Yeah, tic tac toe. <laughs> we put all I would invest all my stocks in this guy. Oh my god! Are you kidding? I, I, that's a, that's a stock. That's a, yep. that's a stock on the rise. Because Julie, at some point, en route to greatness. He's gonna is, win. Is it, at some is point, it he's going to win an Oscar. Some point, he's going to win an Oscar. He'll never remember us. He's going to, he's going to win an Oscar, and we're going to be like, well, we had him on double threat. We had an Oscar yeah. winner on double threat. Yeah, and then we'll kill ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> then we'll kill ourselves. The final episode. I got a great way to do threat. it. Yeah. Uh, Brett, yeah, I like Brett's plan. <laughs> Thanks, Brett. Um, yes, and thank you to everybody Listener. who listened. And rate and review and subscribe and harass us on social media and send us fan art, please. And go to the merch store over at tpublic.com slash something else. It's in the slash shirts. Stores slash stores. Yeah, fine, fine. No. Dot com. slash store. Stores. Stores. Slash. Double underscore threat. Double dash threat. Double dash threat. Just go to the thing. Brett will have it listed there. Click on the link in the show notes. Buy some merch. You'll love it. You'll be the f- most fashionable person in your uh, town. And if you come up with an I'm out design, that'll be the next shirt. What? Chris Pratt's voice. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. I'm I'm back in. Two for I'm back in. I'm out. They keep, I'm back I keep in. dropping out. I keep dropping out. Every time I'm out, I they keep drag pulling me myself back in. back in. I'm out. What? Godfather three? I'm out. I'm out. I'm back in. <laughs> Every time I say I'm out, uh, yeah. It's like a cat trying to decide if he wants to go out or come back in. Yeah. I'm All right. Out. Thanks, everybody. We're out. We're out. We're out. Bye bye. Bye. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original dog. podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.